Yeah, here we are. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be in God's house with you. If you were baptized last week, we have some baptism certificates for you that are up here. We'll make sure we get those to you. So make sure you take those with you today. We're going to be celebrating baptisms in the next service as well. So we baptized 14 people last week. We're going to baptize 11 this week. It's a great thing that God's doing, and we're excited about it. Yeah, it's amazing. So cool. And so we're celebrating what God's doing, and um, as we do, and today we had a little change going on, and so you do anything and things today, but you're going to continue to change, and God's changing you every day. So if you're living in a state of confusion, that's why, all right? It's okay. Tonight, not this morning, and we are having all three of our services this morning, but we are going to have the, the Cowboy Church tonight, right out on Spanish Trail. We uh, rented the pavilion at Rock and K Ranch. And we're going to be out there uh, at 5 o'clock, we'll have a cookout, and at 6 o'clock, we're going to have Cowboy Church, and we want to invite you and your friends and family to come and join us. So if you didn't know about that, we've been sending out emails and pushes on the apps all week, and we've been announcing it for a few weeks right here. And so just so everybody's clear, that's what's happening, and there's an address on this sheet if you didn't get one. It's also on the brand new app that you should have downloaded because you got a push on the old app saying, download the new one. And if you never had one on your smartphone, you need to get that for us and uh, drop us on there and allow notifications. You don't have to let us know where you are. We don't care, and somebody else does. Uh, well, we do care, but I mean, you don't have to let us know. Um, we do want you to let the notifications come on there so you know what's going on, okay? So that is what's happening. There's other things going on, new classes starting and all that. We want you to be part of those and what God has planned for us. And so, church, we're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help. You know that we put this on there, and Jesus Christ has been provided by God for that help that we need, and we acknowledge that here in this church. And so if you need help, I want you to know Jesus is the answer. Being in church is a great step. It's an important part of a Christian life. It's where we need to be, but your relationship with God is completely entirely dependent upon your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's not through the church. The church is a part of the body of Christ as well. And so we're glad you're here. We welcome you. If it's your first Sunday, it's always like this. All right? All right. So we, we make mistakes. We have some issues we deal with. We're walking through life together, and we need each other to encourage one another. Those of you in this section over here, you know you, I straighten out your chairs this week just so you are a little bit different and you feel a little bit odd about what's going on. If it's your first Sunday here, normally those aren't an angle. I try and switch things periodically just to get you adapted to change. It's important for you. It's important that we learn to embrace that. It's one of my core values of my life. I'm committed to change because it's always happening. I need to embrace it instead of fighting it. So quit fighting it. Just go with the flow of change in your life. Walk with the Spirit of God, and He's got new things planned for you, and it's exciting. So the last couple of weeks, what I've done in our accountability questions we ask is I've kind of been combining them and moving along because of the flow of the service and what we need to do. Today I'm going to go through them individually, and I want you to respond to them individually. It's critically important that we are living the Christian life outside of church, and that's what these are all about is, am I practicing living my faith outside of church? So did you spend some time with God at least five days last week, five minutes per day in God's Word, either reading it or listening to Scripture being read to you, which you can do on some of the apps and stuff, all right? If you did that, would you say yes? Did you share a God story with someone this week? Did you spend some time alone with him this week with no agenda? You know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give? Time, talents, and resources. Not one of the above, but all of the above. Time, talents, and resources. Now you can say yes. 
Did you invite someone to church with you this week? That was a little weak. There's a come and join us cards right there. It's not a matter of getting people in the church, remember. It's there's lost people that you're sharing God's stories with, leading them to Christ, letting them know this is the family you're a part of so that you can grow in your faith. You're supposed to be part of a church. There's some independent Christians out there who think they don't have to be part of a church. You have to be part of a body. The finger can't survive on its own. Cut it off, lay it lay on the floor, it's going to die. You've got to be part of a family. That's the body of Christ, which is the church. You can't do it on your own. You're not that good. Did you invite someone? Yes. Have you been praying and working on God's goal for our church? Each one, reach one, and teach one in 2019. Are you doing that? All right. A couple of you are doing it. So it's, it's kind of funny, like in our culture, it's been in and out of um, vogue or whatever you want to call it uh, to be a Christian. You can... Um, there was a kind of a, a world uh, belief and, and view of things where Americans were viewed as Christian. And that's crazy, isn't it? If you were in other countries, you know, a few decades ago, uh, everyone viewed Americans as Christian because our country stood for God and for the principles of God's word. We are not, nor were we, a Christian nation, so to speak. Please hear me right. I mean, if we were all a bunch of Christ followers, we wouldn't be in the mess we are today. All right, but we were viewed as a Christian nation. And therefore, Americans were viewed as Christian. And many people in our culture viewed themselves as Christian because of growing up in this environment or culture. And many people that went to church, and it was kind of normal. Um, actually, in, in Michigan, there's a, what they call the Bible Belts on the west side. And I know the southern part of our country is called the Bible Belt, where everybody just goes to church. It's just a normal part of their life. But to be a Christian is way more than that. It's more than a name. It's more than just uh, something that's been placed upon us. When we understand the biblical call to us about what a Christian is, what we in the church need to understand ourselves about being a Christian. When I call myself a Christian, I am saying that I believe in these truths and these truths have transformed me and I'm now living a different life. So when I say I'm a Christian and I say to you, church, are you a Christian? You are saying that you believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he came in the flesh as man, like 1 John tells us. I'm saying the first chapter of John, not 1 John, but John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus didn't just come into being at Bethlehem at Christmas time. He always was, and he is God, and he became flesh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John the Apostle says, we beheld his glory, the glories of the only Father, right? And so it's like, this is Jesus, God himself, in the flesh as a human being. So when we say, I'm a Christian, we believe that truth. We also believe that when God came in the flesh, that he was born of a virgin. He was not conceived by a man. He came through David's lineage, through Mary, born of a woman. Not of human beings, but of the Holy Spirit coming over a human being, Mary the virgin, where God created life once again as the second Adam in the form of Jesus Christ. Now then, when we say we're a Christian, we believe that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he overcame temptation, that he did that in his flesh as a human being, and he did not overcome sin as God or in his deity, but that he overcame flesh, his, I mean, he overcame sin and temptation in his flesh. 
If Jesus did not defeat sin and not give in to temptation in his flesh, but he used his godness to do that, you and I are hopelessly lost. But Jesus Christ did it and he lived sinless in his flesh so that he could pay the fleshly penalty for our sin. When we say we're a Christian, we believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that he died for my sins and yours. We believe that he took our sins upon him and that he paid God's judgment price for sin for the world. When we say we're a Christian, we believe that. We also say when we're a Christian that we believe that Jesus Christ arose on the third day defeating death. He did not just defeat sin, but he defeated sin and death because death was the punishment for sin. So when we say we're a Christian, we're saying all these things I believe. We also believe that on the 40th day after the resurrection, Jesus, standing on the mountain, talking to his, his followers and said to them that there is coming the promise of the Father, wait, and you will be filled with power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. That's in Acts 1.8. And Jesus ascended into heaven, ever to be on the right hand of the Father until he returns. The angel came and told them he is coming again. Go. What are you doing? Stand here looking up into heaven. Stop looking for his return. Just go and be filled with the power he promised, and do what he said for you to do. We also believe as Christians that on the 50th day when they were gathered in the upper room, that became the day that God said the fulfillment of the redemptive plan of human beings on planet earth is now known and is fulfilled. And he sent God, the Holy Spirit, to us. Jesus had told us he was coming. We've been going through that for the past few months. Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit. It is so important that you have him. The paraclete, the advocate, the comforter, the counselor. He's coming to you. He's going to live in you. He's going to empower you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to give you the ability to live the Christian life. It is expedient that I go to the Father. When we say we're a Christian, we believe this. Church, when I say I'm a Christian, I believe that the Holy Spirit has come and He is living within my heart. I am not the man I used to be. I am now new in Christ. It's not just songs we sing. Those songs are written based upon the teachings of God's Word in the Christian life. See, early in the church, the church fathers put together these statements because liars, deceivers, false light trying to twist the teachings of Christ, the teachings of God. And so early church fathers, because the Bible was not available to common people, gathered together and they had meetings and councils. And the, the leaders of the church globally came together and they began to put these statements together, things that we call the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and things like that. <clears throat> so when they put those statements together, the reason for those statements was so that common people would hear in a poetic type sound repetitively the truths of the gospel and the word of God and the life of the believer. And so it was said that way weekly in services, very liturgical like, because the purpose was to lay a foundation in the hearts of those that were there so they could hear the word, establish those principles and live by those guidelines. Because many of the people in that day, early church I'm talking about, were illiterate, could not read and write, only heard, and that's how they learned. Many of the old churches began to put stained glass windows, not because that was spiritual, not because churches were supposed to have stained glass, but because it told the story in picture form so that you could see 
the message of the gospel in the church. Church, what I'm saying is, is that we have been called into a new life. And when we call ourselves Christians, we're saying, all this I believe. All this I believe. I, as a Christian, have confessed that I am a sinner. That I need a Savior. That Jesus Christ is that Savior. That only through Jesus Christ I can be forgiven of my sins. Only through Jesus Christ can I be baptized in the faith. Only through Jesus Christ can I receive the Holy Spirit. Only through the power of God may I live this life that Christ came to bring to me. All this I believe because the Word of God says so and because God has provided that to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, time to applause. Thank you, God. God's amazing. He's done everything for us. So now, church, what we have to do is not just say, hey, I'm a Christian, or mumble, yeah, I'm a Christian, or wait for the right opportunity to say, I'm a Christian too. Hey, we got to own this. We've got to own this truth, and when we own that truth, we live that truth. That's the key to everything. So the New Testament is teaching us what it means to live, to own, to be, what it is that God said we should be. And as we look into the New Testament, and we've been reading this, and we've been watching what the Spirit-led life is all about, it's all about being a Christian. It's all about being in relationship with God. It's all about being what you were made to be. It's what it's all about. So when we look at it, see, the New Testament addresses my individual walk with God, how my individual walk with God and the Spirit-led life affects my home, how the individual walk with God in, in obedience to the Holy Spirit affects my church family, and then also how it affects me and in my culture, society where I live. So when I say I'm a Christian and I look at what the, the Word of God addresses in my life, it addresses every aspect of my life, every area of my life, how I live my life in every one of those arenas, and what God is trying to do through me. As I look at that then, the elementary principles of the individual Christian life, I need to begin to address what God is dealing with me about because in Him dealing with me, it is not only impacting me, it is impacting my home. It is impacting my church. It is impacting my community. Everything God is doing is a greater work than anything I could ever imagine. And so as God is working in us, church, to call us to own the truth and to live the truth, it is for the express purpose of the glory of God. My whole life is about His glory. It's not about Dave. It's not about CFF. It's not about my wife and kids. It's about God's glory. Now, God's glory should be seen in every one of those other arenas because I live for Him. And because I live for Him, every one of those arenas should be impacted by God through my life. Let's, let's look at something here in Galatians 5. Let me, before I do that, uh, before you read that, it's important that I, I also share this with you. As we walk in the Spirit of God and the Spirit-led life, we have opportunities to hear and see truth. And the reason why, the, as you read through the New Testament, what you're going to find is, is that call to the life of Christ because the, the lying spirit, the enemy, the devil the demonic forces that are with him. As the Apostle Paul told us in 2 Corinthians, they would come as false light to try and deceive the world, false prophets, false 
apostles, false God, false Christ. We, as a church, need to be so diligent about what we understand about God and know his truth. Because there are many that will come in the name of Jesus, even, and speak untruth. They will twist the truth. The Word of God tells us over and over again about those who would twist the truth or false truth. And we need to mature to a point where we understand what is truth and what isn't. You got to know. You can't just hope you're on the right path. You better know you are. It's not just, hey, you're all wrong and I'm right. That's not what I'm saying. That's not like every other church is teaching a false doctrine and we have the only one. No, listen, church, what we're talking about is the truth of who Jesus Christ is, what he came to do, what he's done in my life, what he'll do for you, and what we together can do together for the glory of God. All right? So now, as I look at this then, I need to understand what is God saying to us as a community, but me as an individual. And so, as we read the scriptures, what we find is the Apostle Paul is constantly challenging the believers to stop trying to bring religious practices of the old law into the new grace of God. For some reason, we want to feel like we got to do certain things or include certain things so that we can be right with God. And yet, when we step into the grace provided through Jesus Christ, it is only through that that we can ever have that relationship. The law was given to show we couldn't. That's what he tells us. But we're constantly fighting the same thing over and over again. So let's look at what the Word of God says in Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's a good statement. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You're going to find something pretty amazing if you were here last Sunday. Romans 5 and 6 we were reading last Sunday. And if you would tune into that for for right now, if you just recall that in your mind, let God do it, because you probably can't remember, but we read it. But when you hear this, it's going to sound so familiar. Listen to what it says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Hold on a minute. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So there's two desires going on, he says. If I ended this whole thing right there, we'd be feeling pretty hopeless and feel like we're in a constant fight and battle, but it's not over with there. But I want to pause for a second. Because what we just had said to us as a church is what? Look, there's, there's these desires that are happening. There's these fleshly human desires and there's these spiritual desires. Both are desires. I invited you to join me on a 21-day fast starting the day after Easter. If you haven't started, you can start today. Running through next Sunday, Mother's Day. I'm going to be fasting. Uh, something specific that happens every day in your life. doesn't have to be food, but something significant in order to pray for a surrendered will to the obedience to the Holy Spirit in myself and us corporately as a church. That's the point of the fast. I invite you to join me. The reason I say that to you right here is because of what I'm reading. So is what it tells us. There's fleshly desires and there's spiritual desires. So I picked something that I was going to fast during this 21 days, two weeks into that fast. It's something that I've done every day, throughout my adult life pretty much without fail and it's in the evening I do that and so I said nope that's what I'm selecting to set aside and to spend time 
in that prayer about obedience to the Spirit for me personally and for us as a church. I'm telling you this because it talks about this very thing. So even though I did that in the evening, once I started not doing it, this desire inside of me for that started happening in the morning. (laughs) It would happen in the afternoon and then again in the evening. And it was constantly like for the first five, six days, like you said you'd do that in the evening. You can do it now and it wouldn't matter because that's what you were giving up. (laughs) Hey, you think you can really go three weeks without that? Can you? Like calling. It's desires, right? Desires. That's the flesh calling something to you because it's part of my life. Now, as I said no to that, like, no, I, I'm, Lord, what it did is that, that desire, that calming reminded me, which is what fasting's all about, God, I want to move of your spirit. God, I want that. Help me be obedient to your Holy Spirit. Lord, move in our church. Holy Spirit, move with power. And so what happens is there's these these desires going on inside of us. In the Word of God, what Paul writes to us right here is he's saying there's these desires for the spiritual things and for the sinful nature. And there's this war going on inside of you that's constantly happening. And in that, if I stopped reading at verse 17, it would be like, hey, you're in a battle. Go deal with it. But it doesn't end there. Thank you, Jesus. Verse number 18 starts with this. But when you are directed by the Spirit... You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. That is a crazy statement when we were just talking about spiritual desires and fleshly desires, and now we brought the law of Moses in it. Why in the world would he bring that up at this moment where there's this battle going on? Because you see, the flesh always is trying to justify itself. And many in the New Testament church were still trying to justify themselves by trying to accomplish what the law taught instead of stepping into the fullness of the Spirit of what God taught through Jesus Christ that was available to us. So even though we were fighting in the sinful nature the things of sin in the world, there was also this sin of trying to make myself right for God by accomplishing the law. Just as bad as sin as the sin of the world. Because you see, there's no way you can be made right in God's eyes by the law or Christ would have never had to come. So this flesh is trying to still accomplish what is only available through the Spirit. (laughs) Let's let's look at what it says in the context and we're going to continue reading. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty flat out. If you're living for the flesh, you're living in sin, you're not going to heaven. Call yourself a Christian if you want to. Get baptized if you want to. doesn't matter. If you're living in sin, you're not going to heaven. One amen. 
They're in the Word of God. I'm reading you right out of Scripture. I don't care what you've been taught. I don't care what you want to believe. This is what God's Word says. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and he said, you know this. Come on, church, we know this. This is the way sin leads us. This bondage of captivity that owns us. So the evidence of how we live is seen by all those around us, isn't it? In every arena of my life, people know how I live, and they know who I am by how I live. They do. Come on. So my life actually declares who I belong to. (laughs) Who I am. How I am. Remember the scriptures we read last week in Romans 6? Reading them again to you. Just this one little section. You remember this? Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Isn't this exactly what he just said to us? Your sinful nature, your sinful desires, this is where they want to take you into this sinful life. And he writes to the church in Rome, and he says to the believers there, don't you realize you become a slave whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, past tense, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. You've stepped into new obedience of the Spirit. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you've become slaves to righteous living. You're owned by something else now. So the Bible's declaring to us, to believers, there's a contrast. It continuously reminds us of our way we used to live versus the way we now live. The life in Christ, the life through the Spirit, what it means to live a new life, what God's provided for us so that we can live a new life. So let's go back to Galatians again and keep reading. I'm going to read some of that we already read just to keep us in context. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, another great but there, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and have crucified Him there. Who did it? Look at what it says. Yeah. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. We have crucified the old way we lived, that sinful nature, that past stuff that owned me, that caused me to live a sinful life. I have now crucified that to the cross of Christ. I have now allowed Him to pay that price by my surrender and giving off of that old way of living and let it die. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified Him there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part of our lives, church. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Here's the question. You say you're a Christian. Well, listen. Are you dead to your old way of living? Has your life of sin 
and the old fleshly ways been crucified to the cross of Christ. Before you leave today, you should just walk by that cross over there that's on that side wall. It's been there for over a year, by the way. People ask me, when did that get there? It's been there. All right? And just leave it there. Look, here's the thing. Um, I have an old life. It's who I was. And it is crucified. There is the voice of temptation, the voice of the enemy, the voice of destruction is calling to me at all times. And it's trying to get me to take back my old life that's been crucified. (laughs) The Word of God says that when you were owned by sin, this was your normal life. This was the way you lived. You lived in brokenness. You lived in envy, drunkenness, parties, sexual immorality. You lived in all that. You know what it is. That's the way you used to live. Why in the world would you want to pick that up again? Why would you want to go over there and breathe life into that? (laughs) This is what the Word says. You know, like, some of us were like, well, I never lived a life like that. I'm not that bad. I, I want to just remind you what it says in other sins like these. All right, he didn't say this is the inclusive sins of sinners. So if you didn't do all these things, you're a pretty good person. He just said sins like these. He was like giving us the top five, six reasons uh, of our old sinful life. That's all. So don't think you're righteous. You're not. And, and so he's telling us, like, look, you know how you used to live. It's not something new. But I want you also to know that's not you any longer, right? Now you something new being produced of you. Something new that God is doing. The Holy Spirit's at work in you. If you've chosen to obey Him rather than your old sinful self. See, I'm choosing to believe the Holy Spirit step into the fullness of God. And when I do that, the Holy Spirit is producing something inside of me. That's what the Word tells me. And what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of me is He's planted these seeds of Godness in me. Not that I become God, but I become Christ-like by the seeds of the fruit of the Spirit that is seen in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this fruit that's being developed in me is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Word of God declares in saying, hey, if you're a Spirit-led believer, this is what God's doing in you. He's doing this in you. Why, church? Because that's not human nature. It's not. You don't have to be taught to lose your control. You don't have to be taught to be unkind. Kids are unkind. They're cruel. Come on. That sinful nature is born in us and it produces that rottenness of sin. So now the Holy Spirit comes in, that old thing is dead, and He plants the seeds of God's righteousness and now the Holy Spirit is at work to produce this in and through my life. The only way this can be produced is if your old self has been nailed to the cross of Christ can't do it on your own life change equals new life it's a new self in christ through the power of the holy spirit so the holy spirit is at work producing this stuff inside of us and remember this i have to obey to receive whoever i choose to obey i become a slave of therefore the production of the fruit of the spirit that god is at work doing is a result of 
him inside of me and my obedience to him. So we become together in agreement. I am in agreement with the Spirit and what he's doing in me. This is what the Apostle Peter wrote. Okay. Um, when we learn about the, what the Holy Spirit's producing in me, the reason why that is happening is because I've crucified my flesh. So the Apostle Peter writes to the church and he says this to us. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Um, I'm going to keep reading, and I've read these verses a few times. We're going to probably continue to read them because it leaves us without excuse, and I want everybody to know we are without excuse. We don't need stained glass pictures. We don't need creeds. We have the Word of God. We have it available. We have more tools today than ever. We have the Holy Spirit available to us to know the truth. The Apostle John wrote, and he said, test the spirits that they are of God. You need to know that the Spirit of God is the one that is teaching you, instructing you. I just found it in the Word of God. You need to know. Church, we're without excuse for being as immature as we are in the body of Christ today. We are without excuse. Okay, that was a reprimand, but an encouraging one. Like, it's time for us to grow up. All right? Now look, this is what he tells us. God's given us everything we need. There are no excuses for us. So we know all this. We know what God's done for us. And now the apostle Peter writes this. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption used caused by human desires. He's telling us, you want the key? Church, you want to escape from that constant fighting with the flesh? It's through the promises of God. It's through stepping in obedience to what God says. It's the power that God has manifested through His amazing work in Jesus Christ and made available to us through the Word of God that I step in the promises by faith and receive the power and I no longer am a slave to my old sinful nature. Now I am a slave to righteousness and the fruit of the Spirit. In view of all of this, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brother affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Oh, what we see here again, the Apostle Peter writing to the church, he's telling us, make every effort to respond to God's promises. This is coming back on me. It's back on us. God's done all this. It's nothing you can manufacture. It's nothing you can measure up to. But it's coming back on me in this, in this only. I am going to make every effort to respond to what God says. And I'm going to live in obedience to that truth that God has revealed. So my effort is in obedience to what the Spirit of God has revealed in Christ Jesus. That I'm to live a new life that God's at work in me, and I'm going to embrace the work of God in me. I'm not going to embrace the old self because the old self is crucified to Christ. I'm going to embrace the new work that God's doing in me. And that new work is a work of the Holy Spirit where He is producing inside of me self-control. 
Really? Huh. Huh. Okay. Make every. You have to own this, you know. We have to apply these things to our lives in order to possess the power that is available to us. See, this is what it says here. Remember this. Supplement your faith. Did you hear what Peter said? You got faith. You believe in Jesus Christ. Now supplement it or add to. It's like taking a daily vitamin. He's saying add this to it. As you crucify your flesh and become obedient to the Holy Spirit, you'll work on these areas in your life because the Holy Spirit is now leading your life. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to lead you so you come to this place where self-control is necessary. The devil's not leading you there. You're spirit-led. Stop giving the devil so much credit about the stuff in your life. I want you to know something. Most of the problems in your life are a reason of your disobedience to what the Spirit's trying to do. Now, as the Spirit of God leads me, and I have this opportunity for self-control, it's not beyond the means of God's power for me to have it right there. God's not going to take me somewhere where He doesn't have victory for me. So I have the opportunity now, as I step here by faith, living with God, to submit to something. I'm either going to own my old self that had no self-control or I'm going to own the new me in Christ and believe in the power of God to transform me and not simply react in my flesh. It's my choice. Now listen, as a new believer, as a baby, I'm learning this. I'm hearing the voice of God. He's teaching me. This is the way. Surrender, Dave. Surrender. The first day I had the test, I didn't just like, I got this. I love you. No problem. You can just say whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I'm a good guy. Go. I'm done now. That didn't happen. As a matter of fact, you know, there was the challenge of kindness and gentleness and self-control. They kind of all grouped together right there, right? In that moment where there's a war that happens and it's that who's going to be in control here? Is it the new you or the old you? This is what happened. I was working at a printing press place there, and I had a bunch of paper. Walking back to the press, I had already told my brother, my brother-in-law in the shop, "Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm not going on lunch and getting high today. Don't have to worry about what I'm doing. I'm living right. I've surrendered to Christ." I'm out here and I'm walking. Now you just listen to me, okay? I'm not saying you had to do this. Just Dave, drop the papers of all things, right? I mean, I. Just So the first thing out of my mouth was not a nice word. As I bent down to pick it up and gather it together, I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. That's not who I am. Forgive me for that, and I'm going to change. I want you to know that I asked the Holy Spirit to bridle my tongue, change my language, and he did. See, I, I used to be able to do that when my mom was around anyway. <laughs> what I did was I surrendered to the, to the Lord right there in my life. I'm talking about me here, okay? Don't misunderstand me. It was a moment of surrender of the old self to the new self. And no longer did I cuss or use that language. Any longer. I was 19 years old. Don't do it. Okay, that was like I surrender. Here's the next test. Hey, I got to join out in the ashtray of my car. He was fighting with me every day not to do that. 
And now I told him, don't worry, I won't do that. Hey, I got one out there if you want to go smoke it at lunch. Right? Holy Spirit, no question. I'm not doing that. No problem. Here's the next one. Cigarettes were thrown away too. Dave again, hear me right. No one's there. I'm the only one in the shop. Walk up. My brother-in-law doesn't even smoke, and there's a pack of cigarettes on the desk. Where did that come from? I hate the smell of cigarettes smoked, right? But I like the smell of them when they're not lit. The smell of the tobaccos, I, I like that smell. So, you know, I was like, I smelled it. That was a bad thing to do. Because <laughs> then it was like, yeah, nobody's here anyway. See, this old life calling. Come on, give life to that. That's who you are. That's who you are. Doesn't really matter. Bible doesn't say anything about smoking. Not a big deal. Just do it. See, he's just calling us to compromise. Spirit of God's saying, don't do it. No problem. Set it down. Sorry, Lord. Won't even smell those anymore. Walk back in the other room. I'm a new man in Christ. Claiming the promises of God. As my life began to change, I had opportunities that the Spirit would bring to me, that the enemy would try and cause me. This is what he wanted me to do. Dave, would you resuscitate the old life? Would you bring it back to life? Christ killed that old person. The only way the old person can come back is if I go back there and resuscitate it. Mouth to mouth. Come on. Come on. That's who I am. That's who I am. What in the world? Why would we do that? That's temptation. That's the enemy calling us to resurrect the dead of our old life. That is death. And the Spirit of God is saying, Dave, I have life. To the full for you, breathe my life in you. Own that newness that I have for you. Well, here's what the Word of God said in that when He was saying supplement these things. Develop this fruit within yourself, Dave. Add this to yourself. Practice your faith. Live in that truth. God will develop it and grow in you. You know what? That's what Peter told us in the church. The more you grow like this, I read that to you. The more you grow like this, the more you add on to your faith. In other words, you got faith in Jesus. Great. Now grow up in it. And the more you grow in this, the more you grow like this, the more Christ-like you become, the more real you live your life. The more the Spirit of God gives you freedom. Oh my goodness, man. I cannot believe the freedom there is in Christ. When I first got saved, I had a bunch of legalistic law attached to me. And I didn't even understand the freedom in Christ that I have. It's amazing. This life of Christ, the Spirit of God living in us, is freedom. It's liberating. It's not bondage. I was in bondage. Now I'm free. And I've had to learn that in the new life too. Because I'm trying to shake off the old law, the old flesh righteousness, and own the spirit righteousness that God has for me. Oh my goodness, it's so crazy. <laughs> See, we're walking and maturing in our walk with God as a result of the new birth and new life, the death of the old life. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. This is Peter writing. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Forgetting? Forgetting? He says, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Do you want some security in your faith? Do you want eternal security? Then live the Christian life. 
Practice your faith. Walk in the truth. Live the truth. Be in the truth. Let the Spirit of God direct your life, and there you will have security. That's the Word of God. Come on, man. We fall away when we stop making right choices. We fall away when we allow the new life to die and the old life to resurrect. We fall away when we allow temptation to breathe life into the old ways, and in so doing, we smother the breath of God that is within us. We fall away by our choice in whom we serve. Church, that's the only way you'll ever fall away, is if you choose to resurrect the life of sin that you used to be a part of. That's the only way you'll fall away. It's time for us as a church to grow up and own the Spirit-led life and mature to a point where we become Christ-like in this community of believers out there that they might see the truth, know the truth, and come to the truth. Unbelievers out there. Sorry, I said believers. A long time ago. Oh, I don't have time for that. Never mind. It's 1030 almost. Let's go. Here you go. Um, action steps. That's where we are. Are you a Christian? So you just said to me, all this I believe. <laughs> all this I own. All this owns me. I'm a slave of righteousness. I'm no longer a slave to sin. God has provided everything I need to live a godly life. The Holy Spirit is producing the fruit of the Spirit within me. I'm no longer owned by my old sinful flesh and my old nature. I believe that Jesus Christ came. He is God. I believe that He was born of the Virgin. I believe that He lived a sinless life, overcoming temptation and sin in the flesh, that He died on the cross. On the third day, He rose again. On the 40th day, He ascended into heaven, 40th day after the resurrection. And, on, and then He is going to come again. On the 50th day, He sent the Holy Spirit so that I would have God living within me through that faith in Jesus Christ that produces within me the power and the ability to live a Christian life. That's what I'm saying when I say I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I ask you, is there evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Evidence. Evidence. Is there a bump? Is there a little leaf? Is there a sign of life? I didn't say that you have all this fully developed in you. Neither did God. He said the Holy Spirit is producing this in you. Is there life in the fruit of the Spirit in you? Let it grow. Let it grow. Let the Holy Spirit develop that in you. Listen, when you know you struggle in one of those areas, maybe several of those areas, whatever it is for you, if I struggle in patience, self-control, kindness, gentleness, all right, whatever it is, look, the Holy Spirit's faithful. This week, He's going to lead you, not the devil. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you to a place where you need to be kind to someone. It's probably going to be at lunch today. <laughs> Your flesh is going to want to say, I don't need to be kind to them. They're supposed to do this. They're not. They didn't. They need to be told. That's your flesh. The Holy Spirit is saying, be kind. Show self-control. When someone screws up and you love them, that catches them off guard, doesn't it? That's the fruit of the Spirit. That doesn't mean people can just do wrong things all the time. That's not what he's saying. Let the Spirit of God provide that fruit within you. I'm going to ask you this one here, the last one that I ask you in the action steps because it's 1030. 
How are you working at the new life? How are you working at it? You. I mean, Peter said, work on these things, right? So I'm asking you, how are you working on the new life? If, yes, how are you doing it? What are you doing in your spiritual development with God? Let's do it, man. Let's do it together. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for Jesus, the amazing power of your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being so faithful to us as you translate this message into the hearts of every person to bring forth the fruit that only you can bring. God, we give you glory today for all you do. We love you. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. This altar is open. If you don't know Jesus and you're not a Christian, come and become one today and let God start a new journey in your life. If you are, celebrate that and go out and live it. Remember, you got some uh, baptism certificates today, too. Thank you. God bless you.